Welcome to podcast number five of Bass Talk with Hagen and Hayes. Today's topic is thumb position. So, so Susan Hagen, tell me about thumb position. <laughs> thumb position. Well, David Hayes, that's a great, great topic. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I think thumb position is one of those areas that when I was growing up, and I think it might have been the same for you, you don't even know it exists for a while and you certainly don't yeah. play up above that you know g harmonic on the g string gosh i didn't play there for years and i i certainly didn't have a strategy at first the first time i ever played there was for the lieutenant kijay solo in, oh, really? in Prokofiev. yes and um i remember we got the the music i knew nothing <laughs> played the first movement everything was great turned the page to the second movement the romance and I looked at it and I thought, oh, it's a solo and it's treble clef. And oh my God, I don't know those notes. I played piano, so I, I knew the notes, yes. but not how to do them on the bass. So that first rehearsal was a lot of one, 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 and praying. <laughs> That's got me a long way, I think. <laughs> oh, yes. The, the one, one saves you. Um, so I think, I mean, I'm curious, what was, what was your first encounter with thumb position? Yeah, it's, I think exactly the same. Um, when, when I was growing up, you know, you, you learned your, your Samandal, whatever, and then we moved on to Samandal Book 2. So at least we went into the thumb position. But really there was no system, and it was just finding notes. There were no talk of handshakes. Like, you know, we talk about positions, right. first position, second position. But up in thumb position, it was just notes. Um, right. And we had no idea. And then Petrarchy brought out this book, a simplified... Um, I can't remember, it's a, a thumb position. And it, it, he, that, I think, is as, as important as Samandal's method because he suddenly brought all these ideas together. And I'm not sure if they were his own ideas, um, but suddenly they're all in one place. And we had three thumb positions. We had chromatic handshape with a, a semitone between each note. It's a half step between each finger. Um, and then semi-chromatic and diatonic. And most of the most of the music you ever play will fit into those three handshakes and then suddenly there was some some technique but when I first started out it was just just finding notes and and if you couldn't <laughs> pitch it you couldn't find it right you know, it, was, it was so funny when I look back and I once remember one London based teacher I, I talked to him and I said you know what fingering did you do for that passage and he said oh you, oh, you just play it oh <laughs> that's well, helpful yeah thank you for that that's that's yeah I feel much better <laughs> now that's that's really good it's funny in my teaching with with my students you know down in the what my teachers used to call the money positions so yes. the lower positions not thumb position um i tell my students don't do the hop and pray where you just release your hand completely from the <laughs> fingerboard and pray that you land right but i remember with thumb position i did the slide and pray the whole time just <laughs> praying i would land right and i thought well if i slide i can kind of hear where i'm going um and i remember taking the the prokofiev to my teacher and she said, oh, dear God, how are we going to deal with this? So she basically taught me how to play the notes in the solo. Yes. And she said, when this is done, when you've got this under control, the Petrachi, I think it's simplified higher technique for That's double it. bass. That's the one, um, yeah. I, I bought the book and it's in in the way of Samandal, it's very like, you know, analytical and dry yes. and methodical and but I was so excited and we started talking handshapes a little bit 
And when it came time for me to start teaching it, mm. um, when I first started teaching, I went along with some andals, so we we didn't approach thumb position. I'm like, oh no, no, you won't get there till till much later. You need to be yes. really solid in the money positions. <laughs> um, I, I wonder, in retrospect, if that was just not feeling secure in how I was going to teach it. Mm. But then I decided, okay, I can do this. I can tackle it. So I took my favorite little exercise. I have it in my book. I make all my mm. students learn it. I call it Neener Neener. Ed Barker taught it. He called it uh, the left-hand chromatic warm-up. Max Dimoff teaches it and calls it like Max's Madness. Everyone has this yeah. same sort of one, two, four, two, one, four, two, four. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I can do this in thumb position and instead of four, I use three and just start learning where mm. are the half steps. Yes. And so I, I say to my students, I, I used to give them, well, now it's all in my book, so I, I just give them the book. But I would say to them, all right, I have a sheet that I would yes. hand them of, of thumb position thoughts. And one was, if your thumb is not on the string, it's not thumb position. Meaning, right. you know, you can't just leap up there and have your thumb, you know, 12 inches away from everything else and yes. just press down with your fingers randomly because then you can't have the arches and mm. the the left hand posture the hand shapes just mm. not going to be there and you won't have the strength that you need so i teach them my lovely neener neener i made three versions of it because that's how i roll <laughs> <laughs> and they're all always half steps because i really like to drill in having thumb one two and three a half step away from each other so yes. that then we can blow that out of the water later um but i have them do one two and three and thumb is just sitting on the string so that they can start to figure out where does your thumb sit on the string mm. and start building a callus because i yes. remember oh i had my thumb pressing down right near my fingernail and my fingernail got worn away in like a crescent yeah. shape and it was very uncomfortable mm. and so i say to my students i don't think you want to be on the knuckle because there's no buffer there's no cushion there mm. and you don't want to be on your fingernail so you have to find somewhere in between there that's comfortable yeah. so without using thumb on its own it gives you a chance to figure out where it's comfortable then I make them play what I call version two or, uh, you know, 2.0. And that, that version uses thumb one and two and three yes. just hovers and they start learning how to keep the third finger close to the string, but what to do with it when they're not playing. It also helps them figure out what to do with your fourth finger because yes. that fourth finger can carry a lot of tension. Mm. Um, and then with the help of a student years ago, I created a version three that uses thumb one, two and three. And at that point, hopefully your hand is working in harmony and you can get quite far up the fingerboard if things are all going according to plan. And then my students know where all the half steps are. And then I start talking to them about now, do you want to have a half step or a whole step between thumb mm -hmm. and one? And when can you safely have more than a half step between which fingers and all that sort of stuff? So it has become, my part has become kind of methodical, mm. but thanks to you, it's not boring <laughs> because you'll remember a couple years back, I commissioned you to write a book of music that's in thumb position. Yes. And oh, my students. Is that love aiming it. high? Is that, is that, that is how? aiming high. Yeah. Um, and aiming high is wonderful because you, you did scaling the heights, which gets them through the danger zone mm. into thumb position and back out, which yes. is a great introduction. And then when they're really comfy in thumb position, I start working in the aiming high book with them. And everything there can stay in thumb position. It doesn't mm. have to, but yes, I really like exactly. them to stay up there 
Uh, but I say to them, if you're getting tired, stop. Actually, I say stop before you get tired. Um, but it gives them a lot of options and it's nice music. It's good music. Thank you. It's not these boring half-step exercises that I've tortured them with. Now you've got real beautiful music. So now I've blabbed a lot about it. What? How do you deal with teaching it? How did you deal with playing it when you finally got like a, a way? Well, we're talking about when we, we first started with thumb position. I, I just remembered that as I was listening to you talking and uh, suddenly, um, when Gary Carr came along, st people started playing higher in higher registers. Right. I remember in, in Britain, it was the attitude was from a lot of people, if you want to play high on the bass, why don't you play the cello? Mm -hmm. And then, well, in that case, if you want to play high on the cello, why don't you play the viola? It, it sort of doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Because my attitude always is, you buy a whole piano, you may as well learn to use it. Yes. So, so why buy a whole bass and only use half of it? it to me, it doesn't make sense. The other thing I, I, I learned very quickly was that most string players end up in orchestras, violin, viola, cellos, and basses. Sure. But the violin, viola, cellos, they, they've learned all the sonatas, concertos, solo works. So when they join an orchestra, they have a fantastic technique. Yes. Now, I know the money positions for the bass are much lower. Um, <laughs> however, if you can play high, most people can play low as well. Yes. Um, and which is, is now bearing fruit because most orchestras now have fantastic bass players, right. which is, is really fantastic. So coming back to thumb position, um, I, I think Petrarchi, really, for me, revolutionised it because he suddenly gave me a framework. Yes. Um, and then when I started teaching, I, I, I used the basics of the hand shapes. So the, the three hand shapes, chromatic, semi-chromatic, diatonic. Mm -hmm. And then I've worked out two others. Um, and one is called, I call it, what did I call it? I've written it down, so I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> extended chromatic. Okay. Um, and that's thumb on G, first finger A flat, and then B flat, second finger, and B natural. Mm. Because often you have that a handshake. Yes. So that one, so they learn that one. And then the other one they learn, which is, is actually a really useful one, G, A, B flat, C. So I call mm -hmm. that one extended semi-chromatic. So you've got thumb, one, two, and it's the, the whole step between B flat and C, between two and three, is such a useful one. And yes. a lot of the time you don't need that, but just sometimes. You need to be able to do it. Yes, it's a perfect yeah. one. And yes. I, I make my students learn the hand shapes, and I'll just say to lesson, okay, what, do you, what are you doing? What have you practiced? Mm -hmm. um, and they might say, I've done chromatic. So fantastic. So let's start on the D string. Well, I, I practiced on the G string. That's great. So let's play on the D string. Um, <laughs> and then they've moved forward. They've moved higher. So I said, oh, fantastic. So well, let's move back now. So instead of the thumb being on D, we move the thumb onto C sharp and yes. then back to C. Yes. Um, and it's just, I, I like getting them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the other one I've, I've developed as well as I've, I've got older is it starts with chromatic and then, so the first finger's on A flat, thumb on G, then move the first finger to A, then move the first finger to B flat, and the first finger to B. Mm. And then so suddenly you've got G to C sharp in one handshape. Right. G, B, C, C sharp. And, and a lot of the, the things we play, we suddenly have to go from a low note to a high note. Yes. And a lot of the time it fits into these, these handshapes. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's, it's just a, a logic to show them how to do it. And I, I love thumb position. I love when you ask yeah. me to write the pieces. Um, <laughs> the, the, the um, what was the one before? Scaling the heights. Scaling the heights, yes. I love that because that was going in and out of thumb position. Yes. And that's something I teach a lot. Well, and it's reality for us. It is. It is. Even as an orchestral player, you will play in thumb yeah. position. 
that right. that's the thing so i enjoy that and then when you asked me to write just in thumb position just in travel clef that was another challenge yeah. to try and again i think i'm on the whole it's moving by step yes um so it's you're not jumping so much that right. that can come later but initially right. moving by step is is hard enough and playing in tune yeah. maintaining yeah. the curved fingers and the bow yeah. placement that's that's I, the other thing yes and you know i tell my students doing you know half steps and whole steps in your hand mm. basically i imagine it's like your brain is mapping out the fingerboard mm. and learning where all the notes are so that then you can do your leaps because yes. you've already filled in every half step so if you have to go from a, a g to an e flat mm. and you've done a lot of you know whole step and half step work you know where it is. Whereas yes. when I first started playing in thumb position, I had no clue. I really didn't. Um, and you know, there's there's always this question. I was taught thumb position starts at that G harmonic on the G string. And of course, same location across yeah. the other strings. I don't follow that at all. I can play in sort of what I would call like a thumb position format for my hand. So the thumb is on top of the string and I'm using thumb one, two, and three. I'll go as far back as E flat or D on mm -hmm. the G string if I need it. And, and it always sort of blows my students' minds because I say, why come out of thumb position if you're only going to play a few notes or if that passage works better, keeping your, your hand shape of thumb position there's no rule that I know of exactly. that says you can't do that. But starting in with a thumb on G is a yeah. good starting point. It, it? is. Moving yes. forward, but then moving yeah. back. And I and also as a stander, we talked about standing and sitting. Mm -hmm. And this is a fantastic one for learning about the balance of the bass. Yes. Because when you move back, the balance changes again. Sitting is different because yeah. on the whole, the balance doesn't change. But standing right. is different. Um, and as you say, it's if you learn it, it's in your armor if you need it. Exactly. If, if, you know, if yeah. you don't need it, fantastic. But if right. you do, you've got some idea. I, I used that one in one of my pieces, one of the uh, Mallorcan pieces, the mm. second one. Yes. Um, and that that the thumb, I think, moves back uh, back to, um, I think, move right back to D. Yeah, I think it does. G string. I, I think it does. Um, but when, when I first started, I remember I got no control. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we talked about thumb position and it was just, as I say, just groups of notes up there somewhere. And yep. you just hoped you're going to hit some of them. Oh, yeah. No idea. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then nowadays, it's, it's you know, I, I teach thumb position really early for my right. students. Just yeah. so that it becomes normal and I get them into neck positions very quickly. Um, yep. And then if they can do one position, I move them a semitone higher, half right. step higher. And then, another, you know, it's so they're just moving a little at a time. It's just slightly out of their comfort zone. And then we move into thumb position. Um, but if I hear, you know, in a lesson, I'll say, okay, what have you been playing? So we'll, we'll spend a couple of minutes on thumb position. And if I ha hear it's okay, then, then I'll leave it because they're on the right, right path. Right. Right. Um, and that it takes a little bit of time for them to build like the endurance and the stamina too. Yes. Mm. It does. And that callus. And I show them the callus <laughs> on my thumb. <laughs> oh yeah. I try to explain to my students too, the difference between pain mm. versus muscle fatigue because you're kind of growing yes. new muscles yeah. and then the third option is i'm just literally burning my skin and creating a callus i said yes right. that's kind of painful but you've got to start to differentiate that pain is fine don't worry about that it's when it's like you know sharp shooting okay something is going wrong i said if it's fatigued muscles stop give yourself a break and then go back and um i remember every now and then this this last semester i had a student that had never 
seen thumb position before. Mm -hmm. And so he came in one week and he said to me, oh, I'm in so much pain. I'm like, uh-oh, okay, what's going on? And he said, the skin right here on my thumb, it burns. And I was like, okay, do you remember last week when I said to you, you're literally burning your skin, moving it around on metal? Yeah. That's fine. And he looked at me and he said, but it hurts. <laughs> and I said, I am so sorry, but I think you're just going to have to buck up because it's not bad pain. This is good pain. This is okay. This is just creating a wonderful callus for yourself. And he thought I was so mean. And I probably am. But it's then I told him. instrument, the bass, isn't it? It's oh, I know, really right? fantastic. Like I love digging this. ditches. <laughs> <laughs> I, so then I told him the, the story just to try to lighten the mood a little bit of when I was learning the Kuzovitsky Salon pieces with mm. Ed Barker, he one day, you know, he, he would give me fingerings, suggestions, mm. and he wrote thumb on a G sharp. Mm. And at that point, I had only used thumb for harmonics. <laughs> I was a serious newbie for thumb position. Yes. And so I, I stopped him and I didn't want him to think I was correcting him. I really was just looking for clarity. So, yes. you know, I said, Oh, excuse me, Mr. Barker. I said, um, I just want to check something with you. You, you wrote a, a, a T, which I think means thumb, but it's a G sharp, not a G natural. And he said, yes. And I said, um, is that really correct? And he looked at me like I was a moron, which is okay. It was fair. And and he said, well, yes, that's the fingering. I just wrote it in, you know. And I'm like, well, okay. I'm not that dumb. And I, and I said to him, okay. I said, it's just that um, I guess I never knew you could press down an actual note with your thumb. But when you and start, I, you don't know that, do you? Right. And I think it shocked him. And he just stood still for like a good 15 seconds looking at me. And I'm sure he was thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do with her? And he, he looked at me and he said, well, now you know. And I was like, okay. So I, I went, you know, I left my lesson that week and I thought, oh, dear God, how am I going to learn this? And then I remembered I had that Petraki book mm. and I was like, okay, it does, it moves around. And, and so I started, this is when I started creating my own exercises yeah. because I knew I couldn't physically press down the string with just my thumb yeah. without straightening all my other fingers and tensing my hand. And I knew that mm. wasn't right. So I thought, well, now I'm going to have to figure this one out for myself. Um, and I did. And it worked, and now I use thumb alone all the time, but I make my students laugh by saying, like, you know, here I was in college, and I had no idea. Granted, it was a long time ago. The pieces that I was playing as a freshman in college and a sophomore, kids are playing freshman in high school or even younger. Yeah. Um, but times are different. But um, now what do you do if a student comes in and plays thumb on the G natural, mm. one on the A natural, two on the B natural and three on the C sharp, but holding that posture without releasing anything to give your hand a break. Yeah. You see, that's in the, the uh, Petrarchy book. That's one yeah. of the, the yeah. uh, I find that uncomfortable. Hand. Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it depends on your hand and flexibility. And that's mm -hmm. something I would never teach because I think there's always a better uh, fingering possibility Me than too. that. It, it's yeah. having said that it depends on your hand and the size of your base and, and lots right. of things. Um, but for me, uh, that I think that C sharp stretch. Yes, if, that's if a I killer. Thought, if the first finger wasn't on A, if the first finger was on B flat. Yeah. It, it's possible, but because it's the distance is so far. Um, yeah. yeah, but it is in the book. It's um, but I, again, I think you have to rock the hand. 
That's what I, I I have students, if they really want to do that finger, and if there's a passage where those notes are necessary and you got to keep going back and forth between them, I have them kind of release their thumb and let it slide closer to one, which means they then have to re-find it, the the thumb note, whatever the notes are that they're playing. Um, But for me, I say to them, holding that huge stretch from thumb to three for my hand is uncomfortable. But then this is where like, personalizing things for Mm -hmm. each student, which I really enjoy. I say Mm -hmm. to them, if it's not causing tension in your hand, okay. And then I look at them, I say, but I think the odds are that it's probably too big of a stretch for most people. And like you said, if it's a smaller base and Mm -hmm. a person with a bigger hand, it's probably Mm -hmm. fine. But But my, when I first started again, the thumb, as you saying for you, the thumb was just on harmonics. That's how we were taught. But once I'd, I'd learned to control my thumb and, and stop it on any note, yeah. it was like a revelation. And yeah. suddenly everything is possible. And and you, you suddenly realize all these different passages in the Botticini and Kuzovitsky, they suddenly work and they're so much easier. Yes. Um, and everything keeps coming back. That's the nice thing about that music is there are only so many notes. Right. And all these shifts and chords and intervals, they keep returning piece after piece. It might be... Hindemith or it might be Botticini or it might be um I don't know Teppo or, or whatever but David things, Hayes well no I doubt that <laughs> <laughs> but these these things keep coming back and yeah. once you have them under your hand once you have this this control but I, yeah. I can remember none of us oh, I can't remember many of us having much control in thumb no. position when no. we were younger but we all played in thumb position I remember <laughs> right. you know we were, we were playing Botticini we were playing Kuzovitsky I, oh, I, I would love to hear recordings of us back then. It must have been oh. a Well, but you know, I, I think about it. I've always been conflicted about that whole thing because I think, you know, everyone loved Botticini's playing. So mm. he must have had some seriously good technique up there and yes. throughout the whole base. And then I think of like how many of us were kind of bumbling around because there was no, there was Petrachi, but it, mm. that wasn't working for everybody there were no other alternatives that i knew of of learning technique up there and so we're sitting there all sounding pretty gnarly yeah i, I mean oh my god i don't i do and i don't want to hear a recording of it <laughs> with the Petrarchy book i i don't use the book in teaching but i use the concept yes me too the three hand shapes i think are revolutionary really yeah. it's it's certainly revolutionized my life and my, oh, te- sure. my students um, so I, I use that, but then I use my own uh, exercises. Um, so every, every lesson will include open one, two, four, sixes, so the first six notes of um, a major scale. So you've got two forward shifts, two backward shifts, um, thumb position, fourth position. So they're learning about the hand shapes and moving the th- uh, keeping the thumb in the place and moving the first finger. Uh, and thumb position, I love doing it because it suddenly opens up. Yes. All the, the, the repertoire I love to play. So many possibilities. Yeah. And, and when, with Botticini Elegy, and that's the first one really where suddenly they're finding that it's a, it's a great piece of music. After all the things they've played, this really is a great piece of music. Right, right. Mm-hmm. They've, they've gotten all these tools. Yes. And now there's a beautiful piece of music. And mm-hmm. I think one of the other things that I find, <laughs> I, the students, because of, this is what I called it for me, yes. um, I, say, I say to my students, 
now you're entering what could be the howling dog region of the base. We have to remember to move the bow closer to the bridge. You have to change the bow speed and your arm weight and all of these things. I call it the ABCs of sound, yes. arm weight, bow speed, and then contact point, basically the location. Let on me the write string. it down. That's, that's very useful. <laughs> It's very handy. I love it. I have it on stickers that I put in my students' <laughs> notebooks because, well, then it's pre-written and I don't have to waste time in their lessons writing it. Exactly. But um, it's it's interesting because, you know, a student will come in and whether it's a, a piece or an exercise, it always has that kind of a, someone being strangled while they're yes. trying to sing. And then I show them, I say, look, my bass has a 42-inch string length. When I'm playing in first position, it's now probably 41 inch string length mm. and my bow is below the fingerboard look at yes. that distance mm. now when i'm in thumb position let's say i'm only playing like the g harmonic the midway point if my bow mm. is in the same location i'm playing almost halfway down the string with my bow and so you know i i, I teach them the motion and i have them do it without the bass in their hands or with but as their left hand goes lower yeah. closer to the ground so does the right hand and I've heard some people say like, you know, oh, I, there are only three places on the string where you'll play. I like it to be a little more gradual mm -hmm. um, so that it doesn't get jerky. But I explain the regions uh, on the string that you're playing. I actually, if I were to really quantify it, I have five regions on the string. But mm -hmm. I get there with what I call on ramps. So I don't just jump to the next region. I get there gradually, <laughs> um, which may or may not work for everyone. It, it doesn't much matter, I don't think. But, you know, we can work on the left hand technique, which I think for me, I usually focus on first. And then when mm -hmm. their strength is there, then they can think of something else and they start yes. thinking about where to put the bow. Yeah, this is difficult. It, it, you have the exact same problem. I tell my students, you have to think, do it all all of the time mm -hmm. you're having to think about hand shape bow position intonation quality of sound phrasing all, all these things it's mm -hmm. really interesting you're saying about the bow positions yeah years ago i read an article in the strat about dorothy delay the great violin yes. teacher at, at juilliard and she talked about one two three four five bow placement okay at the end of the fingerboard and the bridge and i started implementing that with my students yeah and three is midway between the end of the fingerboard and the bridge. So three mm -hmm. will always give you a good sound. Yeah. One and two, much closer to the fingerboard, so you lose tone. It's mm -hmm. quieter, it's different. Uh, yeah. Four, five. So I always talk to them as they're playing, what number should your bow be sitting at? Yeah. Because we've talked about this all the time. And I'm, I'm really quite pedantic. I, I, yeah, I think that's one of my great qualities, pedantry, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's good I've, though, I've got better but at it. <laughs> when they switch from zone to zone, do they switch suddenly or is it a gradual? No, no it, it's it's like going through the gears of a car. Yeah. It, yeah. If 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 the if you go um, smoothly through the gears, nobody notices the right. car speeding up or slowing down. Yes. And it, this is the same thing. And it's yeah. And it, I teach them to listen because often they don't listen. Um, they're, because they're so worried about the technical <laughs> play, yes. the last thing they can hear is is what they're actually doing. Right, um, right, right. And but I say, what, once you start listening with my ears, suddenly you realise, all oh, right, yeah. And if it if it sounds good, then it probably is. So stick with what you're doing. Right. If you're not sure, it's probably not good. So maybe yeah. maybe rethink it. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is. I, you and I spoke about the Dorothy Delay zones, um, yes. maybe maybe a year or so ago, and I realized that that's what I've 
been doing and I've probably heard it along the way and not really yeah. thought too much about it, but it's always a gradual change. But when I look back at my playing, I would say for years I lived in zone two. And I, I, I think most people do. Most yeah, players yeah. do. And then yeah. I started playing solo pieces <laughs> and I started moving to like zones three and four. Yes. And I'll tell you the, the year, it must've been what, 2018 when I gave the US premiere of your seven last words from the cross. Yes. Mm. So I did that in Rochester. And right after that, I came to Boston, back home to Boston and, and we were doing, I think it was Bartok Concerto for Orchestra an opening week with the Boston Symphony. Yes. And I remember I had changed officially where my bow was living on the string. Yeah. Yeah. And several players in the section turned to me and said, wow, <laughs> you sound so good. Wow. And, you know, that's not usually like, you know, a, a huge, when you're a sub with the Boston Symphony, yeah. they're not, they don't need to throw accolades at you. It's just not yeah. a necessary thing. Yes. And, but I think it was three different people sitting around me and I said, Oh my God, am I not blending? They're like, no, 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 you're blending, but your sound, what did you do? Your sound is great. And I was like, yep. <laughs> it's just that I, bow I placement. This, I do this at workshops when, we, when we're doing, when yeah. you first started a workshop, you don't know the people there. So you don't know how good they are. Right. It, it, it doesn't matter what they say on the form when they send in the form, they're always yeah. 10 times better than they are in reality. Uh, right. So we start with open strings and and then we move, do about bow placement. And they mm -hmm. suddenly hear if the bow's at one or the bow's at four. Yeah. Suddenly it sounds like the Berlin Philharmonic when you're right. at four. And yeah. they're astounded that you can make all these different sounds. Mm -hmm. and, but this is just an early part of learning for moving into thumb position. Right, right. Bow placement. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think that... I love to focus it first when it's new on the left hand, but I actually mm. think the bow placement might in some ways be more crucial <laughs> because mm. otherwise the tone is ugh, so gross. And I remember hating practicing in thumb position because I hated how I sounded. And I, I went into a lesson one day and I said, my tone is disgusting. I need your help. I don't know what to do. And, and Ed's, you know, Ed knew exactly what to do, but I had to sort of dig through his words to mm. understand what he was saying was, just bring the bow closer to the bridge. Yeah. But I think mm -hmm. I, thumb position is just, it's great. It opens up so many possibilities on the bass, mm. just being able to use the full range of it. And I think people are amazed and surprised when they hear our range is quite big. Even in 2023, we're still evangelizing. We sure it, are. It, I'm still astounded, really, at how many people say, oh, I didn't know the bass could sound like that. Mm -hmm. Which is, is really nice, but it, it's. But I I love playing in thumb position, and I love teaching thumb position. Yeah, I do too. I do too. It's great, Fantastic. and I love when the students start to get it. How excited they get because yes. I remember how I felt. It's just a wonderful. You feel like you're flying. Yes. Mm, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I could talk great. about the yet another subject that I could talk about with you for hours. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love how we align, but we also sort of have different tacts at time too. It's it's really great, and I think it's enlightening for well for me certainly. Hopefully for the listeners too. And for me, it, it's fantastic to hear another perspective because it's yeah. all the same. Thumb position is the same whether you're in America or Britain, um, <laughs> right? But it's how we approach it and how we teach it and and how we yeah. use it is. It's yeah. fascinating, but we're all aiming in the same direction. That's the right. nice. Yeah. yeah, we all have the same ultimate goal. Yeah. 
Exactly. And, you know, to quote Gary Carr, base is beautiful. It certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. Well, this is great, David Hayes. I'm so happy. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Base Talk with Hagen and Hayes. This was episode five about thumb position. And thank you for our sponsors, for your generous support. Oh, wait. We don't have any yet. Or maybe we do. It is episode five. Would you like to be a sponsor? Reach out. Let us know. And we would love to have you. I hope everybody stays well, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.